Yo! Welcome into the House of L podcast. I am Lawrence Holmes. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. As always, we are brought to you by the fine folks at Aurelio's Pizza. So happy that they have jumped aboard and they are part of this project. Aureliospizza.com. Find the location nearest you. It's the sauce. You know it. I know it. It's terrific. My mouth was watering the day that I did this interview with Marshall Harris. And I was like, man, I might need to make a trip to Homewood, Old Oven. You know what's an underrated feature of Aurelio's? The fries. They're really, really good. That's going to happen for me this weekend. I can tell you that much. There's going to be an Aurelio's excursion. Aurelio's.com. It's the sauce. They're the best. And they're down with House of L, which is great. This episode, I'm so looking forward to you hearing this conversation. People come in out of town and they start working in the industry. And the circle is pretty tight of people who work in broadcasting. And then when you start talking about black broadcasters, the circle becomes even tighter. With Marshall Harris, I, I've never met someone in our business who is as universally liked as Marshall Harris. He legit is one of these dudes that when I asked around, like, hey, who is this dude? You know, what's he about? Everyone's like, no, this dude is the real deal. He's the business. You're going to love him. He's going to be a great citizen for the, the the sports community in Chicago. And I was like, all right, bet. And then I met him, and I know that he's a solid dude because he showed up to the event that, that Shakia Taylor had helped put together where they were raising money to send Little Leaguers to the Negro League Museum. Last summer, like I met Marshall, like right before he started. And I'm like, man, you ain't even been here two minutes and you're already trying to be seen and help out in the community. That to me says that you are a quality individual. So now he, he's the, the, the dude over at Channel 2. And it's really interesting with Ryan Baker becoming a newscaster now. The spot that Marshall Harris finds himself in. I also think it's great for Bake. Me and Bake keep talking about doing an episode of the podcast. I'm not sure why we don't do it. I think maybe it's because we're like opposites times. Because, you know, he's up early in the morning now. But I got to get Bake on the show. Because that that transition that he's made, there's a couple people that have made it. Sports to news. And I'm not surprised that he was able to do that. Just like Corey McFerrin. I'm not surprised that the old Southside was able to to come up here and do good work on the news side. He's someone else that should be on the podcast. <sighs> I guess I'm slipping. I got to stop slipping. But I will tell you who is on the podcast, and that is Marshall Harris. And you will love his story, and you will love what he's about, and I'm glad that he and I got the opportunity to talk. Marshall Harris of CBS2 Sports joining me here on the House of L podcast. I'm so happy, first of all, that you were available because – 
you know, since you got into town, I'm like, man, this is a dude that I should talk to you and have on the podcast. So I'm glad that you're available to be on the podcast. Yeah, my availability just goes back and forth. Like, just depends on the day. They got me running around. Like yesterday, I was in Milwaukee till like 6.30. And then we drove back because I was like, I don't need to be there for the actual funeral. So, you know, it's just one of those situations. <laughs> There's no doubt about that when it came to the the bull season. And all right, so let me let me ask you about that real quick. I mean, that that the sports isn't going to be the gist of this conversation, but okay. I, I, I am curious. What was it like driving up there knowing what was going to happen to the Bulls in game five of that series? You what, what happens is, and you've probably done this before, you start imagining scenarios where it doesn't end the way that it's going to end. Like, okay, what would need to happen for the Bulls to, to, to somehow bring this back to Chicago for game six? And I was like, well, if Giannis gets a little aggressive like he has been all series and they start calling offensive fouls and, you know, Grayson Allen is due for a poor shooting night, I thought. <laughs> Clearly, I was wrong. Uh, and I was like, and if Patrick Williams is Patrick Williams and, you know, DeMar DeRozan can be more of a distributor. Because I, what they did, I fully expect, like, oh, it ain't going to be DeMar. It's going to be somebody else. And guess what? Nobody else is up to the task. Like, yo, the, the stat that Billy Donovan kept going back and forth to was, you know, we get all these corner three looks. We just haven't knocked them down. I was like, what makes you think you're going to start knocking them down based on the personnel you have? That's all I was saying. But yeah. You, and then I get up there. I was like, Oh, it's way colder in Milwaukee than it is in Chicago. I was like, yeah, it's about time for us to get these uh, live hits done early. And um, <laughs> we'll, we'll just head back to the house. I can watch this from the couch. Yep. You can watch it from the couch and you're right. They, it, it was so depressing to see DeMar make all of the right basketball decisions. Oh, triple team pass out of it to your open teammate. And watch them just go brick after brick after brick. It was really oh, upsetting. It, it was that one gif, uh, the Looney Tunes gif, where they're laying the bricks and then it starts over and they're still laying the bricks. That's all it was. That's what it was from from outside the arc. There's there's no doubt about it, man. I what well, was sports always the thing for you? Sports was always the thing. Maybe not TV and doing exactly what I'm doing now, but it was like I used to wake up in the morning. I always tell people. And they had these things called newspapers and they would drop them off at your house. Like somebody would throw a newspaper in your driveway and you would walk out to the driveway and get the newspaper. That was like how the morning started. And so I would go get them because I want to beat my dad to the newspaper because he had a rule like once I get the paper, I'm not giving up any of the paper until I'm done with the paper. So when I was a kid, of course, I just want the comics, right? Like you want the comics, you're like five, six, seven years old. And then I think about maybe second, third grade. I was like, oh, look at the sports section. I'm going to read the sports section. And it got to a point where I read sports before I even read the comics. And then one day I saw the picture of Reggie Benson. He was a columnist for the, for the Huntsville Times. I was like, oh, these words that I'm reading, somebody is actually writing these words. That'd be a pretty cool thing to do. And I looked, I went to, this, uh, to the library, I think in high school, maybe I was a sophomore in high school. And they had this book, you may not remember, it's called the Occupational Handbook, right? It's big, thick, thick book. And you can look up any job in the world and it'll tell you like how much money they make, what schooling is required, like what you need to be good at to be able to do the job. So I looked it up for journalists and like, you know, some journalists are making like, I think it was the opening was like either 10 or $12,000 a year. I was like, that doesn't sound great. And then, but like the, the upper echelon 
I mean, this is back in the day, like two, three million dollars a year. I was like, oh, well, you know, that, that might be something I'm interested in. So I kind of um, went down that road by joining this uh, club called Explorers. It's the vision of Boy Scouts of America. Yeah. They had a, they had a post at the Huntsville Times. And like, I really can learn about this stuff. So I did that, learned all about the business. And it was funny because I remember like the, the third, third or fourth time I went, they were like, you know, people are talking about one day reading what we do on computers. Like, you guys don't think that'll ever happen, right? And like, I look back at that all the time, like, yo, that's really what happened. Like, uh, the Huntsville Times no longer publishes. Like, they went from like an everyday paper to a three days a week paper to the, the slow just collapse. And the next year I did the same thing at, at another post for a local TV station, WAAY, the ABC affiliate in Huntsville, Alabama. And I learned all about TV. And now I got a school, I got a scholarship at Mississippi State. And if it's free, it's me. So I was like, let's go, Hale State. And that's where I like got, I, I, but yes, I, I, I love sports to begin with, but then I found a viable path to try to make it into something. And I thought I was gonna be like a print journalist but then I started getting involved with radio and television and just all of it. And I, I just loved, like I started a school newspaper at my high school because we didn't have a school paper because it was such a small school. And that was just fun. It was like basically not a newspaper, it was a school newsletter. It was mm-hmm. like a, a one page. One-sheeter, yeah. Thing. Yeah, but it, but it was, look, it, it gave me an opportunity to write. I mean, writing is everything. My Auntie Dot is going to be so happy that you are on the podcast. Why is that? Well, my family is from about 15 miles outside of Starkville. Oh, what, what, what city? What a ci- town? A, ci- a city called FIBA, Mississippi. Okay, I know about that. So my auntie Dot, she is as big of a Mississippi State fan as you're going to find. And, okay. well, I don't know if you know this, but I went to grad school at Alabama. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm fully where you, you've made it known several times on your program. So that didn't go over well. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, with Auntie Dot? Auntie, Wait, Auntie Dot, Dot you... Auntie Dot is still angry. Like I graduated, what, four, three years ago? And Auntie Dot is still angry that I did not choose Mississippi State. And she's more angry that I, I chose Alabama as the place that I was going to go. But what was your master's in? Journalism. I don't believe Mississippi State offers a master's in journalism. Marshall. It's, it's since I graduated. Marshall, of course they don't. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you've been like, you know what? I want to be, be a meteorologist. Right. Yo, we in there. That's what Mississippi State does. They, they tried to convert me. They were like, you could be the next Al Roker. And I was like, yo, I'm not trying to gain weight right now. What are you talking about? I mean, you could be rich like him, though. Uh, that's facts. All I know is that when the Bama State game happens, smoke in the city. And so she's she's going to be super happy. And she's real happy because one of my classmates works down there. Um, and, and so, you know, she 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 works in 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 Mississippi and she's so happy that that there's someone from Alabama that that would would come and work in Mississippi. So it it's a thing, man. I get text messages and DMs from Auntie Dot all the time when I start talking about all Bama. All the time? All the time. She's like, nephew, I raised you better than this. You know what? It sounds like she's a great auntie to me. She's That's awesome. 
And, 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 and the fact that you said aunt and not aunt is already means you've been raised right. So we, we good. She, she's good people, man. But she's going to be excited that there's a bulldog on the podcast for sure. But what was it like growing up in Alabama? Man, it was different. And you know what's funny? You never know how different where you grow up is until you go other places. Like, all you know is that. And uh, I lived in Birmingham until I was 10. And that's where I, I kind of, like, started loving sports. Because my dad, like, took me to Birmingham Barons games. That's how I became a White Sox fan. Also, long live the Birmingham Stallions. Because we used to go to Birmingham Stallions games back in the day. And they're back. That's how, that's how, that's how long it's been. I've seen the USL fall and, and come back. And now all and, of it's right there for you in Birmingham. The whole exactly, league. Exactly. Exactly. So, so that happens. I moved to Huntsville when I'm 10 years old, just in time to, you know, see that there's there's more stuff going on and what was interesting about Huntsville it's the hockey capital of the south I know that sounds crazy but Huntsville Alabama has the only uh division one men's hockey program at least at last check south of the Mason-Dixon line like they they've been to the NCAA tournament like basically here's what happened when I was a kid they had a powerhouse division two hockey team UH Alabama Huntsville and the NCAA said we ain't doing division two hockey anymore either division one or division three and most of the division two teams of course went down to division three Huntsville was like no nah, we're gonna go ahead and try that that big boy hockey and they went and like it's 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 crazy um so I learned a lot about hockey just living in Huntsville which that sound I know it sounds on his face ridiculous that I'm saying but no they have minor league hockey they have um college hockey it's hockey's a big thing down there and they used to bring in all these Canadians I worked with a couple when I was uh just graduated from high school at a shoe store like that was their summer job, like Canadians who were in Huntsville, Alabama. It was, it was wild, man. But um, growing up in Alabama was different in that, you know, people always think of the South as so antiquated and whatnot. And it is, don't get me wrong. But my favorite part about the South is there is like this Southern charm and this kind of next door friendliness. You know, your neighbors and, and maybe this has changed for everybody everywhere, but like, you know, we, we everybody knew each other like and everybody's related and has family down the street around the block next town over all that stuff that's like Alabama it's just more it's just more familial to me to me when I go back home now it's like I see all my my friends and everything and uh it, it's it's just a different it's a, it's a slower pace and everyone's just super friendly I get I used to get off the plane when I worked in um Philadelphia and I used to fly home and get off the plane and you get off the plane and somebody like, good morning. And you'd be like, whoa, whoa, what's up? Because it Northeast Corridor, it's not like that. It's like you don't speak unless you got business with somebody. Unless somebody, if somebody does something wrong, you might end up in an altercation. But they're just not like friendly off the rip. In Alabama, everyone, the start is a friendly, you, you live down there. You know what I'm talking about. Just like people want to get along. They, they want to. Southern hospitality is real. That's what I will say about growing up in Alabama. I, I want to go back to this hockey thing for a second. Because <laughs> <laughs> before you came to Chicago, the Blackhawks have won three cups. And one of my favorite pieces of television, Channel 9 was doing a, a man on the street with my, with my dude Marcus Lashock. And it's like the, the morning after they had won the cup, he's out there. It's like 530 in the morning. It's on YouTube. I'll I'll send it to you because it's hysterical. There's this black dude that's walking down the street, 
And Marcus is like, hey, you know, were, were you watching the, the Hawks last night? And this, this brother got on the microphone and said, man, the Blackhawks so good, they got black people watching hockey. <laughs> so I want to know, in Huntsville, was the team so good that black people were watching hockey? I'm going to say no. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to say diehard sports fans were watching hockey because it was a sport that was going on. But by and large, no. The black people were watching the same thing that the white people were watching, which was Alabama and Auburn football. <laughs> that makes that's, sense. That's, that's, that's just the way it goes. Did you, you know, pick a um, side before you ended up in Starkville? Nah, nah. And you know what? I'm a contrarian. I'm a habitual line stepper. I'm here to break all your norms, your rules, your, 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 just the things that you're supposed to do. So like, it's real because you show up in kindergarten or first grade and the first day of school, you were kids you never met at five and six years old, distinctly remember Alabama or Auburn, like in your, in your grill, like don't say the wrong thing or else, you know, we might have to, you know, step, step somewhere and do some things. Did you say UAB? (laughs) I did. How'd you know that? Okay. So for real, for real, my mom went to UAB and got her um, bachelor's and her master's in physical therapy at UAB. So I used to hit them with UAB just to like throw them off, just to rattle them. And of course, once that letter came in the mail talking about full ride, Hell State for life, defending national champion Mississippi State Bulldogs, by the way, in the sport that I know you hold dear, near and dear to your heart, which is uh, the ping of the baseball. So yeah, UAB was my, my, my go-to answer, though. And they, they used to hate. I'd be like, what, y'all don't like Gene Bartow? You don't like his blazers, his plaid blazers? I, 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 so I was advanced from my sports knowledge at, like, elementary school age. Because remember, I was reading that newspaper that came in the right. driveway every morning before my dad could get to it. So, like, I, I, my whole thing is knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. I just want to know more than you. That way, no matter what happens, I can always pin you into a corner. Like, that's, that's how I do everything. And I was like, man, if I had grown up with the Internet, whew, people would have been in trouble. But I didn't grow up with the Internet. One of the people that I worked with uh, in, in my career is a young woman named Laura Britt. She's the, the pre- and post-game host for Giant Stuff for NBC Bay Area. She does 49er stuff, too. We used to work together. She's from Birmingham. Like, she's a straight-up, like, Birmingham debutante. And she was a cheerleader at UAB. <laughs> like, for real, for real. Like No, I get it. I like get she, it. she debutante, that's a thing. That like, she a, literally, like, has her, her own horse – like all this stuff, and she, yeah, man, yeah, and so you know, she was a cheerleader for UAB, so she talks about it, and she has similar feelings about Bama and Auburn, where her her answer is always UAB on that. So I'm not surprised to to hear you say that for uh, for sure. It, but once you get that ride to Mississippi State, and I'm, what did that feel like? Like for like. Not just because you you were born and raised in Alabama, but to be you earn this scholarship, and you're like, man, my life is getting ready to change. What did that feel like when you stepped out of Alabama and into Mississippi? Well, you know what, I had convinced myself that Alabama and Mississippi were the same, like because that's how everyone who doesn't live down there, like thinks about it. I mean, I don't know how often you went to Mississippi before you went to the University of Alabama, but like, it's all the South, like Alabama, Mississippi, you know, Arkansas, Georgia, you know, Louisiana to a degree, um, although they have New Orleans, so that kind of separates them from the 
what you think of. Yeah, New Orleans is like its own thing. You know, right. like it's the South, but it's really New Orleans. You know right, what I mean? Right. It's New Orleans. Now the rest of Louisiana, yeah, that's the South, but it's it's New Orleans. It's its own thing. It's like how you look at Florida. There's a panhandle, Florabama, and then there's Miami. That's different. And then there's Orlando, which is magical kingdom. And then Tampa. You know, it's it's weird, man. It's it's weird. But it's really not any different than anywhere else. Whether you're talking about Chicago and then the rest of Illinois, whether it's downstate, like you, you can look at different places. When I lived in, so I lived in Pittsburgh for two years and then Philadelphia for 11. They're opposite ends of the state, but people would have you believe they're right next to each other. There's no. a whole state between them and they call it Pennsylvania for a reason. Okay. <laughs> so like, <laughs> and that's not any different from like where I grew up in Alabama, but back to your original question with the, the Mississippi, I get to Mississippi and this is how I knew it was different. I get to Mississippi and I'm looking for a job. I go to the student radio station, the newspaper, whatever. I'm like, hey, I just want to volunteer. I just, I'm just trying to get work done so I can build my resume, whatever. Nobody's got anything for me, but the radio station, the campus radio station, Steve Ellis, uh, he says, hey, if, if, if something opens up or I'll give you a call because, you know, I think it's, it's important to get experience. You're a freshman. You haven't been to class yet. You know, we're trying to find stuff to do. He calls me like three days later. He's like, have you ever done play-by-play before? I was like, no, but I would love to. What, what, what's, what's, what's going on? He was like, uh, a school in town uh, needs a play-by-play guy for their, for their football games on the radio. I was like, I'm in. W- when do I start? He's like, the first game's Friday. It was like four days away. So I was like, all right. So, you know, I'm, I'm like frantically calling to the school, trying to find out information about like how big the team is, how good the team is, what's going on. Go to the library, look up like the Starkville Daily News, Dewey Decimal System style to see what they did last season. I was doing like the, the work. So my partner, Richard Russo, and I get there like Friday night, Starkville Academy. Now, it was Starkville Academy, which symbolizes that it is not a public school. But I didn't think anything of it because I graduated from Westminster Christian Academy. I went to a private school too, whatever. Here's the thing. We get there, we go set up our equipment. You know, in a high school stadium, you take that long walk up to the press box sitting over the bleachers. And we set it up and we're like, we'll go get something to eat. So, you know, we're not hungry. It was 5.30. We want to make sure everything's perfect. So we come back like about 45 minutes later. It's about 6.15 and people are pouring into the stadium. And all of a sudden it hits me. How come there's no black people here? And I was like, what? So I talked to my partner and he's like, oh man, you don't know? Like he was white. He was like, I mean, this is, this is a, an academy. This is academy football. I was like, what? I didn't realize that whereas Alabama, they have just one Alabama High School Athletic Association, class 1A to like, I think it's 8A now. Everybody plays, private school, public school, that's what we do. The schools that were literally created out of white flight had formed not only their own school system, but also their own athletic association and were still segregated from just regular public schools. So Lawrence, can you imagine the looks I was getting as I made once again that long climb up to the press box like who is this dude and why is he here imagine the further shock when they see me take out the headset put it on you're listening to Starville Academy football on WSSO AM 1230 I'm telling you Lawrence I had one guy come in the booth at the end of the game and I guess he had been listening because he wanted to see what was going on or whatever. He's like, are you sure you, you sure you want to do this? 
And I was like, yeah, man, that's my major communication. We're trying to, you know, get, we're trying to get it, you know, trying to get an early start. I'm just a freshman. So if I sound a little rough, I apologize for that. I promise I'll be better next week. Like I played it off. Like, I don't know what you're talking about, but that experience, I was like, oh, Mississippi different. We still like Alabama's a little bit behind, maybe a lot of bit compared to where we live. But Mississippi was like, we're a good two decades behind Alabama. And that's, that's the difference between Alabama and Mississippi. Like the norms were different. And so I had to adjust to that. But you know what? I stuck with that job. Uh, the headmaster of the school actually like by the end of the season was talking to me every time. Like we, I was up there, he said I was doing a great job and whatever, whatever. But like, there was obviously a pocket of people who were upset that I was there. But what I realized through doing that job is it wasn't everyone. It was just some people and you just gotta like do what you do in life. And if people have a problem with it, oh well, oh well, oh well. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. How valuable was the the experience of not just doing the work, but doing the work in that environment? I think it was extremely valuable. I think it was what it was for me was it was just eye opening in one degree in that like, hey, you know, we're still doing things that some people would consider first Um, because I had grown up like watching typical people that you would think I would watch in that era doing the job. Like I loved Ed Bradley on 60 Minutes. I loved Stuart Scott on, on SportsCenter. Um, I worked with a guy, Dave Branch, um, who was working at CNN Sports Illustrated at the time. Um, Fred Hickman, like just people who looked like me doing stuff that I didn't know I could do. Um, and, you know, going back to Reggie Benson, who was the Alabama A&M beat writer writing columns for the Huntsville Times. Like, I think that's why I think representation is so important and understanding that everyone has to go on their own journey, their own challenges and working through that. Cause I was terrible at play by play when I started that job, as you would imagine, I, anyone would be if they'd never done it and they're 18 years old. I mean, maybe if Iron Eagle was my dad, I'd be better, but no, I, I was just doing it on my own. So I think, I think the experience itself was just so valuable because I got a lot of confidence in knowing that like I can do stuff if, 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 if called upon. And even if it's not perfect, as long as you work towards a goal, like that's, that's the goal. We're all, we're all amateurs when we start anything. Right. And that goes outside of broadcasting. Just like, just do it and then get better, do it, get feedback, get better. That's, that's my whole thing. I tell anybody who wants to do what we do. When you graduated, did you know, what path you were getting ready to go on? Yeah, I was really fortunate in that um, 
my thing was always working, always grinding. So every summer I would go find an internship or two. And I went back to that, uh, to Huntsville, Alabama every summer. And when I would go back, I worked not only at a TV station, I'd like, so I, here's my typical day. I'm during the summer. I work at a radio station, um, WEUP, we up. That was like a thing. They were like, hey, come to our sports in the morning and we'll put you on. So I went and did sports for the, we up, did my little updates. And like, you know, I was super mechanical and methodical when I first started. And then it became like a whole, you're just part of the crew. Just tell us what happened last night. And I would tell them what happened. Like it went from like, you know, I'm reading the scores, like I'm doing CNN headline sports to I'm now just telling you, oh, yeah, the Huntsville Stars lost again. Guess what? That dude that hit the home run two nights ago, he came back and hit two home runs last night. And like, just just having, what I've learned is for what we do, there's got to be joy and there's got to be fun. And if you're not doing it joyfully and having fun with it, you should not be doing it because there's so many people who love sports and would just kill to have your job, my job, whatever, that if you're not exhibiting joy and doing it, you know, why are we really doing it? But I would go in, do that every day. I would work a job at Just for Feet, the, the world's largest shoe store where your 13 pairs free. I would get off at five, go to the TV <laughs> station at 530. How you, Marshall, how you remember the tagline, man? You got the tagline? Bro, I got the tagline because it, it was real. It was real. <laughs> Yo, just, just for Feet was, was my favorite job of all time because I love hawking shoes and I love getting free shoes. And if you were in the top 10 in the company, on a weekly basis, if you finish in the top 10 that week, you get a free pair of shoes from the store, any, any pair you want, okay? So, like, I was in the top 10 maybe 10 times a summer, like when I was working those other jobs. Yo! Exactly. I used to be a shoe. I, I used to be a sneakerhead. I'm not a sneakerhead anymore. I'm, I'm very much the opposite of a sneakerhead now. I think that's how I know I'm old. I think that's how I know I'm old. I'm the opposite of a sneakerhead. But basically... I would go from the radio to that job, and then I would go to the TV station three times a week. And I would only work from like um, 5.30 to 10.30. But that's all you need. They taught me how to, sh- to write, shoot, edit. <laughs> Funny thing was, I told you the Huntsville Stars, AA affiliate at the time for the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, the, the guy who was working, working, would drop me off after he taught me how to shoot. He would drop me off, and I would shoot the game, and then he would pick me up on the way back to the station. So he had a real dinner break now because that was work he didn't have to do. This is before interns were paid, so you already know what it is. But I was getting the experience, and that's all that really mattered. And, and that, was, that was fun. So I knew I wanted to do TV, and actually my junior year in college, I interned at CNN Sports Illustrated the beginning of my senior year, the fall. I took the whole fall and interned. And when I came back, I was like, I need a job because I need to put together a tape because I didn't have an iPhone to make my own stuff because this is back in the day when you had to have a big old bulky camera and whatnot. And I got a job being a part-time sports photographer at a WCBI in Columbus, Mississippi, about 15 minutes from school. Like three months after I started, the, the main guy quit. The weekend guy became the main guy. And then I became the weekend guy. And I had a full-time job making $17,500 a year while still a full-time student on full scholarship. You know, that means we were making it rain. Make, time we were off from work. Making it rain all the damn time. That is for sure. Uh I'm fascinated by photogs. I, I think they do such incredible work. What do you think you learned from being behind the camera that helps you in front of it? Whew. You know what? You really learn because you're like one man banding, right? Um, which means you go out, you shoot all your own stuff. You shoot a stand up with you in it. 
and then you put together the story and you realize all the video that has to be shot because the number one rule when I do a story is right to the video. So if the video doesn't exist, what are you really doing out here? And I just learned like how important it was to pay attention to detail and what you're shooting, getting the right number of shots, how it's shot, that sound, like the pop of the glove, the, the ping of the bat, um, all that stuff. You know, it, I, I just learned so much about perspective. Like I think everybody who is a reporter should, should try to be a photographer at least. I mean, you may not be good at it, but you should, you should try. Like I got good, I can, I can shoot anything. I can shoot golf. And when you can shoot golf, that little white ball flying through the air, that's when you know you made it as a photographer. Couldn't shoot it when I first started, but then I learned how to pick up the ball doing that. Um, and and it, was, it was just fun. Being a photographer was fun. I got to travel, NCAA tournaments, uh, SEC media days. We went to one year, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, both terrible at college basketball on the men's side. The Mississippi State women make the tournament. They were like, yeah, y'all go up to um, Eugene, Oregon. That's where they're playing. I'll take a free trip to Eugene, Oregon at the age of 20 to go do some work and get out of class. What? Like it just, it just opened so many opportunities being a photographer and working behind the scenes. You just, it's so much easier to do your specific job when you understand how the whole machine works. You know, um, I, I think, you know, if you're just a, one of the nuts or the bolts in the machine, it's like, okay, as long as I stay steady, we're fine. But if you know how the fulcrum works and everything else, you know, when something goes wrong, why it went wrong and how to avoid that in the future. So like, it was just, it was fun for me. Learning about TV was fun for me. I wanted to, to teach after that. I just had never got around to it. How long did you stay there? I stayed in Columbus, Mississippi for a year and a half. Uh, and then I went to my hometown, Huntsville, Alabama, at one of the TV stations I had worked at because the weekend guy became the main guy and he needed a weekend guy and that was me. And uh, he trusted me because I had done that free labor for them <laughs> when I was an intern. And so I, I went from uh, making 17500 to 22500 because the deal was my contract, it was seventeen five in Mississippi until I graduated. Once I got the degree, I could get a raise to five. That was there to make sure I actually got my degree. That's like, awesome. My mom, was, my mom was like, wait, you got a full-time job, but you didn't graduate. You're going to be able to finish? It doesn't matter if you don't get your degree. And I was like, I'll get my degree. And I, I, I got it. Um, and that made $28,000 in Huntsville, Alabama. And that was two years great because I had a little brother and a little sister. My agent was like, yo, I got you a job in Tampa. You can go right now, cover pro sports. I was like, man, my brother and sister in high school, this will be the last time because I don't know where this journey's taking me. That I can really just see them all the time. So I'm going to go home. So I went home. So, so being in Huntsville, like beyond you going back to a place where you had had success and that you knew people and that they gave you a chance, it also allowed you to be able to spend quality time with your family. Oh, so much quality time with my parents, uh, with my brother, with my sister. I got to get, go to my, my little sister's basketball games, uh, see my little brother play basketball and baseball, just like stuff that you can't. And you don't understand this till really you get older, I guess. It's like some stuff you just, if you miss it, you miss it and you can't make it up. So you have to kind of make choices based on where you are in life and what you need to do for your own career, but also where you are with your family and what, what can you do to kind of, I guess, be there for them and support them and, and be a presence. You know, um, my mom, when I first moved back, she was like, I need you to come live at home. I was like, why? And she was like, well, I just it'd be good for your brother for you to be in the house. I was like, but mom, I'm an adult now. Y'all be tri tripping with like 
when I stay out late and stuff, like wanting to know where I am. Um, Cause th that's how it was when I came back during the summer. It was like, it wasn't so much that they cared that I was out. It was just like, I would just forget to tell them that, Hey, I'm not coming home till like five in the morning. And so that's what got them upset. Um, but no, it was, it was good just to do that. So I did that for six months, which also saved me a lot of money. Sure. Not, I wasn't, I wasn't even thinking about that. Cause I was just like, I'm on my own. I can do whatever I want. Um, but yeah, just, just being there for them was great. And just spending time with my family. Um, you know, I, I appreciate it so much more now that we were in that pandemic phase. I didn't see my parents or my brother and sister for over a year, year and a half, depending on who we're talking about. And just going through that and being so far away from them, you realize how important that time is earlier in life too. Yeah, man, there's, there's no doubt about that. That that's, so it's a year and a half that you stay, you're back in Huntsville. What happens after that? I leave Huntsville. I do get a job covering pro sports. I go to the local CBS station in Cincinnati, Ohio, where I'm covering the Bengals, the Reds. This is like Ken Griffey Jr. coming off the torn uh, hamstring, all that. Um, like the Adam Dunn, Willie Moe Pena Reds. Okay. okay. Not any good, but, you know, it'd be nice where balls flying out of Great American Ballpark. Uh, got to cover maybe my favorite athlete to cover of all time, Chad Ochocinco, TJ Hushmanzada, those guys. But Ochocinco was a trip each and every day. This was like the year he was doing all the stunts after touchdowns and stuff. A soundbite machine. Um, covered the tail end of clock killing Corey Dillon when he was there. Um, also went on my favorite trip ever uh, work-wise, which was covering the uh, Xavier University, the year where uh, – you know, St. Joe's went undefeated through the regular season. Xavier actually ended up giving them their first loss in the uh, Atlantic 10 title game. And we get to, got to go to Austin, Texas. Uh, I'm sorry, not Austin, Texas, but uh, got to go to Atlanta. Got to go on several trips. I just got to cover everything. I was always on the move. This is back when local television stations had big budgets. So even small market cities were doing big things when their teams got in the tournament. It was just fun, man. I spent two years there just kind of understanding how things worked on a professional level. It was my first time covering pro anything. Um, what was that, what was that, that like to, to go from you're doing high school and college stuff and now you're covering the NFL and major league baseball. What, what are the differences that you gleaned from that experience? I think the biggest thing for me was just understanding you got to humanize everything. And I think a lot of, especially your reporters and stuff when they start out, you know, like, oh, like this is a professional baseball player or a basketball player or a football player. They're people just like those high school kids you were covering. They're a little bit better. They're getting a little bit more attention. But like, talk to them like you would talk to anybody else. And if you respect them, they'll typically respect. Now, there's jerks out there, just like there's jerk regular people out there. But um, building relationships, I guess, is the most important thing. Um, and once you build rapports with people, that's how you... Uh, get inside information, um, access, uh, break stories, all, all that stuff. And just kind of, that's what I learned from doing like the Cincinnati, um, my two years in Cincinnati is, is just learning how pro sports works from a, a media access standpoint, whether you're talking about being in a major league clubhouse and just shooting the shooting. You can say shooting the shit on my podcast uh, is totally oh, okay. fine. I was, I was thinking about, it's not about your podcast. It's about my current Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. All right, I'll so, say it for you. Shooting the yeah. shit in the clubhouse. Yeah, so it was just kind of understanding, like, this is all part of really the job, you know? 
Um, and that's why it's so sad, like kind of how the access and everything has changed over the years with COVID and then just like every team has their own individual media department that does social media and interviews and uh, all that stuff. So it, it I mean, it, it makes you think twice about doing what we do. Not you, because you're radio, you can get people in and out. And you have a great uh, partnership uh, because of the teams that you guys work with also. But, you know, I know your Rolodex is deep deep. Like, I, I listen to your show, so I know, I know, I know what it is. Um, but, yeah, no, Cincinnati was great in that respect. It really was. It says in your bio. Oh, goodness. That you, you built a sports department in Sacramento? <laughs> yeah, people thought I was crazy, right? So I went from Cincinnati to Pittsburgh, where I covered the Pirates and Penguins for what's now, I guess, sports or AT&T sports. I can't remember. I can't keep up with all the, the regional sports stuff. And I went to Philadelphia and worked for 11 years for uh, NBC Sports Philadelphia, where I did like uh, Phillies and Sixers pre and post game live and then did a bunch of like hosted like the Phillies Clubhouse show, which is like their news magazine show. Um, and then when I left there, I wasn't sure what I was going to do next. I thought I was going to go into news and start doing some either morning anchoring or being like a like a like a serious journalist. Like that, like that was a, a fleeting thought, a serious journalist. But I was like, it's, it's so serious. Like serious, uh, it's, we live in a very serious world these days, Lars. I don't know if you know. But when I went to Sacramento, my agent calls me like, hey, this guy wants to talk to you about a job in Sacramento. I was like, Sacramento? I ain't, I, I, the, the state capital of California? I've never even been to Sacramento. What, what, I've been to like every city in California, maybe <laughs> metropolitan areas, but Sacramento. It's like, what I knew about Sacramento was, uh, the Kings got hosed when they played the Lakers. Like, that's like, everybody knows that story. Um, it's a cow town, all, all of that. Um, and she was just, just hear him out, just hear him out. This guy calls me, he's like, hey, yeah, so we didn't have sports for over 10 years. And we've just started a new sports department. And we really think sports can be a, a viable thing for our station and really a boon to our station. I was like, are you, do you work in local news? This is the opposite of what I've heard for like the last 20 years. Because people were literally like this station, killing sports departments like we don't need them if they want sports they'll watch espn blah 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 and so i'm listening to him he's like yeah we want to do like a uh, sunday night show um every sunday night and then we want to do shows out of the nfl double headers and out of select college football games we just want to do shows like 30 minute shows hour-long shows shows i know you've got a strong background in that i've seen your work blah 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 I was like, because, you know, I was hosting pre and post game shows. I was like, that's what we did. We just get on there and just riff about what just happened. It's the way it should be. And so he was like, you can come in here and um, whatever you, whatever your vision is, you can just put it, put it to paper and, and make it happen. But basically he was like, the script is yours. Do whatever you want. And he like, didn't know anything about sports. Like this guy didn't know who James Harden was. Oh. And he, I was like, you know, the beard. He's like, I don't know. James Hart. He knew who LeBron was. Now it's just like, I know who LeBron is. Like, okay, good, good. So does everyone else. Um, <laughs> so because of the way he like sold me two things, it was the first time I was going to be in charge of a department and this, and I was going to actually be over people, like telling people what to do. I was like, let's see how I like that. So I went out there to Sacramento, not knowing a single soul and we built something that I consider special, near and dear to my heart. We had so much fun because we could do whatever we wanted. And there's so much power, as you know, on your show, which is very 
not typical. You, you do stuff, you just do what you feel. And there is so much power and passion in that because it makes you excited to get to work on the next thing that you're getting work to. And that's what I loved about working in Sacramento. So Sacramento was great. And yes, we built a sports department from scratch. And I talked to the, the girl that's still out there that, that that's left because the other guy went to CBS Sports HQ and like they got so much better in the two years we were there. And I think the main thing about me being there was, you know, they wanted to cover like big stuff. And I've covered all, I've covered everything from the Olympics to the World, World Series, Final Fours, all the big stuff. So they'd be like, can we go to the Warriors playoff game? I was like, yeah, I, like you go to game one, you go to game two. If there's a game five, I'll go and we'll figure it out from there. So like, I think they loved it. I just was, let them do all the stuff. Like it wasn't like, and th- th- there's joy in that. And um, I just loved the idea of working with people who wanted to get better. So much joy in that. How does one endear oneself to the audience in Philadelphia? Oh, that's a, you know what? That's a great question. And it's not as complicated as you might think, which is why it's such a great question, because I wish more people would ask it. Um, Philadelphia is the city. Now, remember, that's the one, two, three, four. That's the fifth the fourth, sorry, fourth stop I had made on my, my media tour. What I learned in Philadelphia is authenticity over everything. They can sniff out someone who is inauthentic so fast and so violently because they will always choose violence in Philadelphia. Always. And when I got there, I told them, I don't know. Teach me. Help me understand. And guess what? That had to work fine because they embraced me and like that, like I can go there. I'm going there actually uh, this weekend and, and people just, they love to see me. Cause I just said, explain to me what's going on. Like what's going on with the Eagles in your mind. And I always tell people this, I don't know about like Boston because I, I've never lived in Boston, but in every city that I've lived in um, or been in for an extended period of time, I do a pie chart. I'm like, the people that live there, how big is the piece of pie of people who cares about what happens in sports? And I'm telling you, in Philly, it's somewhere between 75 and 90 on any given day, the percentage of that pie. Because here's here's what it is. There's certain cities you live in where if you don't know what's going on, you're going to be the odd man out. Like, if you don't know if the Eagles won or lost yesterday and what, you know, Donovan McNabb did, you're going to look like an idiot. Nobody's going to want to talk to you and invite you over to their house for the party, which is also an Eagles watching. And that's just the way it goes. <laughs> like, you got to other places you can get away with that. Philadelphia, you cannot. The pride they take in their terrible teams. Lawrence, I didn't get more engagement in anything I've ever done than the year that the Philadelphia 76ers were chasing the worst record in all of basketball. I was doing pre and post game shows for a 10 and 72 team. Oh. But guess what? They wanted to know, is the process going to work? Is Jalil Okafor going to be the guy? No offense, Chicago. I know he's from here. Um, and and I, we would have like in-depth conversations with people on the street, Lawrence, like about the Philadelphia 76ers. And they stunk. And they stunk on purpose. And people loved it. They ate it up. And it was amazing. It was amazing. And they love to talk about it. It's like, 
I always say this, in other cities I've lived in, they have this thing called apathy. Philadelphians don't understand apathy. Good, bad, but never indifferent. We love you, we hate you, but we're never indifferent. And that's, if you understand that and you're authentic with the people of Philadelphia, they will love you. They will love you. They that's love dope. You. The, the, the best example of that, by the way, I don't know if you remember when they invented Gritty. The yeah, yeah, yeah. Flyers invented Gritty. I was, uh, I was doing uh, morning radio for WIP um, on uh, Angelo Catani's show. And I would go in there once or twice a week. And they're like, what is this mess? Gritty, what, who came up with this terrible? We're all, and we're all in agreement. Like, this is awful. This is a terrible idea. Who thought of this? As soon as someone from outside of Philadelphia started tweeting about it and everything, all the Philadelphians got to, hey, 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 this is our guy. Gritty's this our guy, our man. It's our guy. You, we can make fun of our guy, but you can't make fun of our guy. You know the drill. And that's that's Philadelphia in a nutshell right there. Gritty is like one of the most beloved characters in Philadelphia history, and he's not that old. He's not even a teenager yet. That's insane. So what made you say Chicago should be the next place that I conquer? Oh, man. Uh well, in Sacramento, like I did what I set out to do. Like, I just wanted to build something and see what's going on. And I was actually looking into, again, back to news jobs. I was like, you know, sports might be over for me. Um, but here, uh, they were, again, said they were committed to rebuilding sports department. And like, I was like, I had just done it in Sacramento. So I was like, this is actually possible. Like, I've, I've seen it. We did it. Let's do it again. And just the opportunity, uh, knowing what I knew about Chicago, uh, the sports history here is so deep and rich, and this city is great outside of those couple of months where you're going to be like, it's kind of cold outside. Um, but it, the winter hasn't been bad. And, and like people, yo, you know what y'all got to stop doing? Like Chicagoans have to stop doing. It's threatening people with the violence of living. Like, <laughs> that, that's a thing that exists here. That's the, y'all like to threaten people with the violence of winter. Like, yeah, you think summertime shy is all good, but man, that winter, I tell you what. We, it gets cold in other parts of the country, Lawrence. I've lived in Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, and in all three of those cities, I saw more snow than I saw this past winter. Right, but here's the thing about Chicago. It's not the snow, Marshall. No, it's the cold. Oh, it, I get it. I get it, it. It's the wind off the lake in January when you weren't quite expecting it. And you're like, oh, the, the weather person said that it's going to be 20 degrees today. Right. But then you went and you put on like a light jacket instead of like a coat coat. And then the hawk was like, yo. <laughs> and you know what? The hawk and the brick and all those things we use to describe the cold. That's all well and good, but here's two things, two things. People used to ask me, I was like, man, you grew up in Alabama. How do you, how you survive when it was so hot in those summers? It's like, listen, in the summertime in Alabama, we weren't just hanging out outside unless we had something to do, somewhere to be. Same thing in Chicago. You have somewhere to go, somewhere to be. And dress appropriately. You know what I do? I dress appropriately. I got big, thick gloves. I got boots. I got the pants. I got the the long johns, the the long underwear, whatever you want to call it. I I dress appropriately. I bundle up, and I think, like you just said, a lot of times people leave the house unprepared. Like they think they know how cold it is, 
but until it hits them and then it's usually too late, they don't have time to go back inside and get that next couple of layers, not one layer, couple of layers going, mm-hmm. and that's when they get in trouble. Marshall, I don't the, mind the, the, the new morning show on B96 is out of Phoenix. So I was in Phoenix in February, and I was working out of our sister station there for a couple of days. And so I met these people, and then I met them when they came, and, and they, they took over the morning show. And I was surprised. I was surprised that they brought them here. Because, you know, now we kind of know you can do radio wherever. You, know, you can be wherever as long as you represent the place that, that, that you're on in. So I was talking to them, and they were like, so when's spring? And I was like, yeah. So let me... Y'all, it's 90 degrees in Phoenix right now. Here's the problem. Everything's going to be cool. Like in May, it's going to be great. You're going to be like, man, this is the best city in the world. There's going to be a portion in June where you're like, man, summertime shy is a thing. And then the humidity is going to happen. And and you're going to be hit with something that you've never been hit with before, where as as a Southerner, you know this, it's going to be 90 here. With ninety percent humidity, and it's gonna be awful, and you and you're gonna walk outside and immediately start sweating. You you you're gonna be inside and be like, what just happened? Chicago happened, and seeing their faces when I said, look, there's nothing better than this place when the weather's nice. Nothing, there's nothing better than that. But just know that August might be as rough as January. Might be. That's fair. That's fair. And I, I tell, that's why I say we stay inside. Like, cause I used to, those jobs I was telling you about, I used to work. I used to lock the front door at my mama's house. By the time I got to the edge of the driveway where my car was parked, the lip has already got the sweat on the lip. Like, yeah. And I, I was like, <laughs> let me open this car door and turn on this car and step back and let the hot air out. Yep. Like, and, and 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 then we'll 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 go do some things. But you're absolutely right. I don't know if you've seen the meme, but there's a meme talking about the different seasons in Chicago. Oh yeah, like fake, fake spring, fake spring yeah. twice. Like yeah, you, yo, they hit us good on Saturday with that eighty. Like and you and you saw what happened to the city. You you saw Saturday and Sunday was amazing. Like people were just out. Everyone's having a good time. And then Tuesday got here and it was like, oh man. Like, we back in it. Like, we back in it again. The White Sox are moving games up because it's too cold to play baseball. Like, all sorts of stuff. I will tell you, this has been the oddest April I've ever experienced in Chicago. Odd in what fashion? It's seeing uh, when the weather jumps to 80. Like, that's normal. Like, there's, oh, there's one crazy day where it was 85 degrees. The fact that it's almost May. And the heat is still on in my joint. That's a little weird. Like, this is usually pretty decent open-the-windows weather. Like, you deal with a little bit of a chill at night, but it's pretty much open-the-window weather. We haven't gotten here, and we haven't seen the sun. Like, I think we've seen the sun, like, three days this month. That's strange for Chicago. It really is. It's bizarre. The sun is the part that... You know, I lived in Pittsburgh, which gets less sunlight than any city in the country, right? It, like, it rains more in Seattle, but Pittsburgh actually gets the least amount of sunlight of any metropolitan area. So I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I didn't know either, Lawrence, until I moved there. And My lived bad. There. 
My <laughs> but 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 in the winter here, y'all give Pittsburgh like per capita a run for the money, like seasonally. Cause y'all like, ah, we'll get some sun one day this week. That, that's that's problematic for everybody because the seasonal depression is a real thing. It's totally a real thing. So what what do you hope to get accomplished the channel too? I think the biggest thing is just bringing sports back in the in the form of, yo, when there's sports news happening, people can turn to us for more comprehensive stuff. Like we're we have shows that we're starting on the weekends now. Um, they're kind of like miniature shows. It's called Sports Extra, but it's in our in the in the format of our hour long newscast from ten to eleven. It's about a thirteen minute block in the back half from about ten thirty seven to ten fifty three um, on Saturday and Sunday nights. But we're hoping to expand that and eventually get it to a full half hour. We do that, you know, um, we can talk about things and it, it doesn't have to just be, you know, telling you what happened, but also looking ahead and getting some perspective analysis. Um, I've had a, a few people on um, talking about the Bulls. Cody Westerland was on talking about them. Um, we had Herb on from the Bears. Um talking about just what the what's up next for the bears and i want to get not just the people i guess that everyone's used to seeing and hearing all the time yeah but give some other people with maybe different perspectives on to kind of change it up and more than anything just to have fun and that's something you know we're more of a local tv station doing local news which i get i get but i think there's a place uh on this station because why else did you hire me because my you look at my resume reels, us acting a fool. I want to act a fool on channel two. Like that's, I always tell people like, what, what kind of job do you want? It's like, I just want someone to pay me to be me on television or radio or in any form. Like that's the goal, right? For it's sure. Your most authentic self in whatever it is someone's asking you to do. So that's, that's the goal. We're, we're not there yet. We're, we're working towards that, but that's, that's the goal. I got, I got time. My contract says I have time. So, so we'll figure it out. What piece of advice would you give students that look at your career and go, man, I, I, I want to do some of that stuff? Um, the advantage I think I talked about a little bit ago about that they have is if you have a computer, like uh, this conversation is on Zoom, um, you can interview anybody you want um, basically now. That, that's a thing. If you have a phone, you can shoot video. I mean. Anybody that works on TikTok or even like an IG story and can shoot and can edit some stuff together, like that's the stuff that we were paying to go to school to learn how to do. You could teach yourself just by trial and error or go on YouTube. There's so many different ways, so many different opportunities that people have now. I would say this, you need to read and you need to practice writing. And if there's somebody that you want to be like, you need to figure out how they got there and see that there's a different path for everybody in this business, um, whether you're doing radio or television or print. Um, but if you can't write, I used to tell people three things you need to learn. And this really still holds true. Shoot, write, and edit. If you can do those three things, even if you don't want to be on air, you can find a job in this business doing something. But, you know, writing is a skill. It takes practice. Like, you know, pay attention in English class. Like, I... I would just say, just see what other people do and emulate that, but also just trial and error, practice, start a blog, start a vlog, just do stuff and get feedback and then you'll get better. It's, it's do it, get feedback, and then you'll get better. It's, 
that's as simple as the process is. It's more complicated than that, but on the on its head, like that's what it is. Like, how did you get to where you are, Lawrence? I'm pretty sure you just started doing it, and then you got some feedback, and then you got better based on the feedback that you got. A hundred percent. It was Krista Ruck who was giving me the feedback when I was. She tells me. She tells me, yeah, Lawrence, she's right in here. Yeah. I, I, has she called me Lawrence or has she called me Little Lawrence? She has not called you Little Lawrence, but is that a thing? Is that what she used to call Yeah, because I, I was a child. You know, I was, I, was a, <laughs> I was 21 years old or whatever when I started interning. So she's always very happy that Little Lawrence has made it. Uh, and, and I'm very grateful because I think she's one of the the best to do it. So I think you're, oh, she runs a tight ship around here. There's like, no just, doubt. You're so lucky like, to have her. Like she's, she gets stuff done and, and I am, I'm always impressed by what it is that she's doing. And I'm super impressed by you, man. I, I said this in the intro. I like that. Even before I started like watching you on the air, you were out here in these streets like you were, oh, yeah. you were really looking to like be of Chicago, and and that's one thing about this place. And you probably you found it out in Philly. Yeah. As long as there's that effort that you want to be a part of something, be a part of Chicago, people will always give you the benefit of the doubt. Like that's how we're built. Like, sure, it's great if you're from here, but if you are of here that actually matters to people. So seeing you at events, seeing you like being willing to, Hey, I'm going to explore the city when you run in your 38 miles that, that you'd be doing. Um, <laughs> you're out here exploring the city. Like that's valuable stuff that you're doing. I, I appreciate that. And you know, I'm a big fan of your show and your work and all the stuff that you've done. And I think you're absolutely right. And what was difficult about when I started here last July is it literally it's hard to be of anywhere when COVID is COVIDing. Facts. You know? So now that things are kind of calming down, this summer I, I plan to be out here and about here and everywhere and any most places. Let me stop. I plan to be most places. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to really immersing myself in, in, in what the city has to offer. And that's, that's real talk. My hope is that Marshall has an opportunity to really experience Chicago at its greatest, at its best, is so weird because I've been talking to my new colleagues over at B96. They have a, a morning show called The Morning Mess. And I met these folks while I was in Arizona working out of Odyssey Phoenix. And I, <laughs> I'm trying so hard to tell them like how great Chicago is. And that it was worth it for them to move to Chicago. And I'm sure they're like looking at me like, man, this dude is crazy. He's crazy if he thinks this is great. But it looks like a week from when this pod is posted that the weather is going to get nicer. And I just hope that that is the case. Aurelio's and Aurelio's.com. It's the sauce. The sauce of the interview with Marshall was hearing how determined he was hearing him tell the story of going to that private school in Mississippi without really knowing what was going on and, and still finding space to do what he loved doing. I appreciate him going that hard and saying, nothing's going to deter me 
that takes a special type of individual. It's it's not an easy thing to do when you feel pressure from the outside, but he clearly has a gift. And beyond having a gift, he's got a drive. He's got a drive. And and that that takes him to where he is now. I also love that Channel 2 is receptive to him trying new stuff. As we see the industry expand and contract and expand and contract, it's thinkers like Marshall that are going to take us to like the next thing, the next way that it can look. And I appreciate that, that, that he's got some thoughts and ideas on how to change what it is that we do to try and attract more people or to try and attract different people. It's a really smart approach. And I'm glad that he's brought it to Channel 2. They're, they're clearly trying to do some different things, and that, to me, is cool. Aurelio's Pizza. Been around since 1959. I ordered this past weekend. I was, I was, I gotta be honest with you. I was a little embarrassed. I went out to see my parents and I had already kind of planned out, like this was how my day was going to go. I'm going to go to White Sox. I'm going to talk to some people over there. I'm going to go hang out with my parents. I'll pick up some Aurelio's on the way home and that'll be it. I called Aurelio's in Homewood. My parents don't live in Homewood anymore. Like, we're not there. But it's I can justify making it on the way back from their house to Hyde Park. So I end up at the Homewood Aurelio's, the original. And, and I called. You know, I called as I was leaving my parents' house because it would be about 30 minutes or whatever for me to get from their house to the Aurelio's. And... They asked for my number, and they were like, yeah, um, we've got your order. Do you want the same order? And I was like, yes, I do. Great. It'll be ready in 30 minutes. It's like, perfect. So embarrassed, but it's so good. And the ride home had a perfect temperature to consume. It was terrific. So if you're looking for a great pizza place, you know what it is. It's Aurelio's. It's the sauce. Aurelios.com, check their website for a location near you. As I've said before, and I will say again, I'm very partial to Homewood Old Oven. There's a lot of flavor locked in that old oven. Get the pizza out of the old oven, is what I'm saying, at Aurelios. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks to Marshall Harris. I really appreciate him. He's a good dude. Watch what he's doing over on CBS2. Show him some love. If you enjoyed this conversation, then you got you to gotta follow it up with the eyeballs. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I appreciate it. At the end of the month, we will have done four years of the House of L podcast, which is kind of amazing. We've now gone over the million and a half download marks, which is also amazing. And I thank you for your support. Sports Jason will have another 
episode out later on this week. Make sure you've, you're caught up because those are some, as they would say, some wild boy. You feel me? You stand me? Talk to you next time. Peace. These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.